This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Dr. Carrie Ulrich on the line. Carrie, how are you? Hi, good. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. You are, you, you've got a dramatic career and I'll have it in the show notes and all of that because we could talk for you know an hour about your, your backstory and your career. <laughs> but HR obviously has been a huge part of, of yeah. your career. And uh, we were talking in the pre-show about COVID-19 and what's going on with work and, and whatnot. But um, just, yeah, give us a little bit of a background about, you know, the work that you've done and you're doing and, and then we can kind of segue into, you know, what we're seeing right now in the workforce and COVID-19 and, you know, what we anticipate might be the new normal going forward. Yeah, sure. That sounds great. So quick background. Uh, I always have a hard time with a quick background. So let me see. I, I, you know, I didn't think I would get into HR. I was more on the therapy and psychology track. And that was really getting a, a doctorate in psychology and going to do that. And then I found the organization can be so dysfunctional that no matter how you help individuals, the organization is so broken that it doesn't help. So it almost felt like you were you were just helping one person at a time, whereas in an organization, you could help 3,000 at a time. And so that really kind of hooked me to, okay, how can I balance this, helping the individual and helping the organization? And HR was a perfect interplay of that. It's also, as I like to say, very subversive psychology because people aren't prepared. <laughs> and yet you are practicing psychology every day in HR. So worked in a corporation, worked in big, giant machines, and Fortune 500 working in HR in various things of generalist and talent management. Talent management is where I, where I did most of my work, but then was able to do a generalist work where we had 50,000 employees or 50,000 associates out a day. So you can imagine the fun stories that we had. Um, those are another book of just HR stories, which are lovely and hilarious and no one can believe them. And so then really was into the change management, talent management. And what I liked about being a generalist is you could see both sides. And so I understood what it was like to be a specialist and how hard that work is, but then also, and how planning it, getting people on board, but then on the generalist side, how actually difficult your world is because you think you're going to have a nice Monday and then something like COVID-19 happens and upends your entire uh, month's work. So doing that and then just realized that perhaps I'm not the best person in a corporate environment. I am more entrepreneurial spirit, more let's break a lot of rules, let's uh, push boundaries, how can we do different things? So at that same time, uh, my co-author of my book, Monica Friedi, we were talking about, hey, you know what, we need better HR representatives. The profession isn't respected very much, which is a real bummer because it's an amazing profession. And we also have some people who don't have some fundamental skills. So we thought, well, you could complain about it or you could do something about it. So we wrote a book about uh, fundamental skills, foundational skills for HR people. It's called The Way of the HR Warrior. So with that, plus realizing I'm probably not the best corporate girl sometimes, um, we and uh, uh, we meeting Kelly Gunther and I started our own company called The Bracci Group, where we really help 
the HR profession, trying to educate and do a lot around HR warrior skills, as well as helping organizations around change management, strategic HR. Even if they don't have HR, we help them set the fundamentals of HR and do some executive coaching for people. So that is still not short, Michael, but probably way shorter than I, than I typically am. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> You got a vast career in, and you know, a, a minute or two. It, that's it's not easy, I know, but, but <laughs> it does lay the the framework. And and you know, there's so many things you could dive into that. But the mm-hmm. the COVID nineteen thing in in corporations is such a interesting dynamic because mm-hmm. you know, in talking with people, everyone's wondering, okay, what's things going to look like once all mm-hmm. of this is kind of behind us and I I sense that you know where it's going to be a, a few months of things, it's going to you know change the trajectory of everything mm-hmm. forever, mm-hmm. and I and I think from a working standpoint and what work looks like and how work is being done is is going to look a bit different. And I think you know I had a conversation earlier today with somebody about this as well, and we talked about you know on how remote work and it's something you want to get your insights on remote work is such an interesting thing because for organizations that used to micromanage their employees a lot there's an element of trust in remote work because you don't get to see people unless you force them to be logged in on their chat 24 7 and available for a zoom call every two seconds or things like that which if if that's the case, people, I mean, you know, this is just guidance. It's not advice, so don't hold it against me. But update resume dot doc when you get a chance. Um, I support because, that. Yeah, because and it, this this whole thing, I think, is flushing out um, how bad some managers are. But that could be a completely other series of conversations mm-hmm. about that. But remote work and what it was like before, because it existed. It wasn't this brand new thing, but you know, some organizations did it, not as much as what's going on right now. But from an HR perspective, what is that like to you know, get that set up and to get buy-in from management to create the environment to do it? Now, of course, now they, they really didn't have much choice mm-hmm. in the matter. It's like, you either do this or you're close. So uh, I think most people elected to say, well, we're going to do it. And, but I'm, I'm just curious on your thoughts about remote work and how it was set up before and, and what you see you know, work's going to look like in the future. Yeah, it, this one is so fascinating to me because this one, I, I don't think they can kind of undo it, right? So that, that, we're, that term, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. I feel like this one is out there and it's going to be really difficult for managers and leadership teams to now say, no, we can't do it anymore. So if I worked for you, Michael, and I've been begging you to do remote work and you said, no, 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 no. And all of a sudden now I do it, right? It was forced and I'm, and I've done it. And now I come back to you and you say, no, we still can't do remote work. And I'm like, but, but I've been doing it for three months. It's been working really well. Why can't I do it? Uh Uh-oh. Now what? Um, it's interesting. I was talking to someone who's, uh, she's moving for a job to Atlanta and her spouse also wants to move. And he works for a company that is very old school when it comes to remote work. However, of course, like everyone, they've been forced to do it. And so he's now thinking, good, I can do my job from Atlanta. He's originally from there in the Midwest now. And I think it's going to be, you know, four months ago, his manager's going to said, nope, we don't do remote work. You don't have this job. 
Well, now, how are they going to say that? He's been really successful. They've been hitting all their metrics and their goals. And so I think this will be so difficult for managers to take back because it's been done relatively successful at most companies. And so if you look, companies, yeah, it's like you said, Michael, it's not a new concept. Many companies have been doing this. Many companies have been struggling to do it as well. So it reminds me of when a lot of the retail stores were like, oh, should we do e-commerce because bricks and mortars might go away? And there were some who go, yep, we're going to do e-commerce. We're going to figure out how to hybrid this. We're going to, this is the evolution. We're moving forward. And some are like, nope, we're not going to do e-commerce. To me, remote work is relatively the same thing. Are you going to move forward to with what employees want And this is not just, I mean, yeah, you can look at the generations of it, but there's a lot of people in all the generations who are very happy with working remotely. They get to have a different lifestyle. They get to live somewhere else. I get to live in a cheaper place because I get to do remote work um, versus living, you know, downtown Los Angeles or something like that. So there's a lot of benefit and it cuts across gender and race and and, uh, generation. So you have lots of people wanting to do it. Companies who have been on the forefront were very well equipped to deal with this. They could manage it. There have been lots of companies who uh, have been struggling. I have worked at a company and it all goes back, Michael, to exactly what you said, trust. That's really it. That's really it. If, do I trust that you're going to do it? And if I can't see you, I can't trust you. And so the one company I was working with, the leaders just, they don't trust that it's going to get done. And so they drag their feet and drag their feet and drag their feet. And now, of course, they're all forced to do it. So it'd be really interesting to see how people are going to try to either go back, which I don't think you'll be able to, because like you said, your people are going to update their resume or they'll put weird, you know, tracking things on their computer, but it really comes down to trust. And it really illustrates poor management. And yeah, we could have a whole nother series on the poor management, but you know, in a crisis, your kind of your original, my professor used to say this, I love it. Your original cultural programming comes out, right? So under stress, if I'm working so hard not to be aggressive and assertive, and that takes a lot of energy, but now I'm under stress, boy, I'm going to be super aggressive and assertive because I can't even, I can't even hold back that the filter anymore. And so if I'm a manager who doesn't really trust you in this crisis, it's just going to get worse. So you're going to see some bad managerial behaviors exposed with this too, because they can't they can't just touch and and be controlling for everyone. So I just think this remote work, this is one where it won't it's not going to go away. Leaders are really going to have to take a good look at themselves to say, how am I going to manage through this? And HR really needs to be flexible. And HR sometimes isn't the most flexible. They like policies and procedures. And you need to have those, but how do you kind of manage the flexibility within that? And how do you help people really think through remote work? I worked with a company and they were so lovely with remote work. They're like, okay, here's, you know, it's, I don't know how much it was, but they gave a certain amount to set up your home office. They expected certain things, um, but it was very well documented but still flexible. So it felt very fair. It wasn't, I work for Michael, I get to work from home and man, I get to just work two hours a day. 
oh no, I work for Carrie and she's, you know, texting me at 2 a.m. And so this is where HR really can help business leaders think through all the consequences and all the decisions that they need to make to make it a really fair and equitable. So people don't feel that, again, it's easier to work for Michael, it's harder to work for Carrie. So I think that's going to be really important. And then we could, you know, Michael talk about now you have, so let's just say everyone's doing a lot more remote work. Now let's talk about burnout because that's a whole new skill set, right? How to balance your day. And, you know, a lot of times you just go to the office and your day is balanced for you. You leave at nine, you come home at five. And okay, now I do home stuff. Not anymore. It's all blended. And especially if you have children and you have school, um, how are you going to be super flexible and manage that as an employee? And then how does an employer now help you figure that out? So gone are nine to five. How do you how do you help your employees navigate all this? Because we're going to have more and more schools might not. I've heard a couple schools talk about fall still being online, so your kids are home. Yeah, there is so much going on with yeah. it, and you mentioned the nine to five, and I've seen you know not a lot of conversations, but they've talked about the end of nine to five. Mm. There's some organizations, if they if they have the access, and of course, everyone's going to be changing things up because, especially if you're in a, a tight office space where you've got lots of cubicles and you don't have physical distancing, you know they're talking about implementing shift work. They're talking about all of these different things for those that have to physically go in, as well as the remote work that we've been talking about, and the burnout thing is something that I've seen skyrocket over the last couple of months. I'm seeing a ton of people burning out and there was a ton of people burning out before. Yes. From work. And, and, and now it's, it's just getting worse because what's happening is when everyone was at work and they were burning out because of the workloads and all that stuff, they're like, they just wish that they could just stay home. Well, we got that. Um, great. I wish you would have wished for something a little bit differently. <laughs> um, be a little bit more concrete in those wishes next time. Please. You know that we, you know, maybe we win the lotto or something like that. But it's, but the the problem, and you and you highlighted many of the challenges. Is one you've got, you know, a lot of people that have kids, so they are now the teachers mm-hmm. of those children, and depending on the school district in the state or if you're in Canada or the province, it's varying. There's no consistency as far as what's going on with the education side of things. So there are some schools that are, were better prepared mm-hmm. for online school delivery, and you're do- doing the teacher's work because the kids are doing their thing. Um, it could be a challenge where, okay, it's all online, so all the kids are on a Zoom call with the teacher. Great. You have one computer in your house. And all of a sudden your boss is saying, okay, we're, we're jumping on a Zoom call in 15 minutes with you know, the entire purchasing division to talk about the initiatives for Q3. Hmm, uh-oh, I only got one computer. How, how is this going to work? Okay, I, I, I'm sorry, I have to take my kid out of school so I can go on a Zoom call. So the, these are all little things you're hearing and pe- they're trying to juggle and figure out, okay, what about this? Okay, is the grocery store going to be busy? Is it lined up out the door? What you know? What do I need? Will they have it there? All of these challenges that I'm seeing people day by day going through, uh, and it's it's impacting everyone. This is not one of those things where it you know isolated a certain portion of the population. No, it's it's impacting everybody to a 
you know, varying degrees, of course. But from a working standpoint, yeah, uh, the the kids are going to be home, and I anticipate uh, if things don't, you know, start flattening a little bit more and start declining, then you know, there's going to be some places, like you said, that in the fall, guess what? We're doing the online thing again, yeah. and and the parents are going, hmm, how does this work? And organizations across the board need to be really flexible on this. The way that we do work is going to change. It already has. Mm -hmm. And I think organizations that are going to thrive and survive going forward are going to be the ones that will be agile enough Mm -hmm. and have the buy-in from the senior leadership, the HR team, management, employees, all in alignment going, okay, we're going to navigate this. You know, an organization that I help out is in the housing industry. So they they provide housing to low-income people to keep them off the streets and whatnot because homelessness is a huge issue across the planet. And uh, so this organization, like many others, had to virtualize, but yet there's still services that are provided in the properties that they have. So how do we navigate around that? And one of the first things that was shared was at the beginning of all this going on was, look, you know, we're going to be completely vulnerable and honest here. We're all figuring this out right now. We don't have the playbook. The playbook didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, Anything that would be close to this was 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, no one can find the PDF manuals for all of that because they didn't exist. PDFs didn't exist. Computers, mm-hmm. computers might have existed, but they're not what we know them as. Um, there would be something completely different. Uh, but the problem is, I think organizations, especially senior leadership and management, they don't want to show any vulnerability because they're afraid that that's going to make them look bad to whomever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in this type of situation where management says, look, we're figuring this out as we go. Be patient with us. We're going to sort through this. Let's let us know what's working. If it's not working, then we can work with our vendors or internal teams to sort it all out. And, and I think that's the, the best approach to go at it. And, mm-hmm. And going back to the trusting employees component, one of the things that always jumps out to me is if I hire somebody and I don't trust them to be able to do their job Mm -hmm. without me watching them, why did I hire them? (laughs) If I can't, I I, see that that's where managers really get in trouble because Mm -hmm. they are spending so much time watching what their employees are doing instead of managing their department, division, organization. It's like manage it. Yep. You, know, you know, what's the outcome? What is the goal? What is that employee supposed to do? What along the assembly line of everything that we do, what is that person's role? Do yep. they have everything they can have to make sure that they are successful? Yes, they got to put in the time and the effort that needs to be done, but give them all the tools, let them do their job. Yes. If they can't do their job, that's going to come pretty clear, pretty quick, hopefully. Uh, but if you're constantly watching them, then as a manager, you're not doing your job. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then that just, that steamrolls. And I think 
I, I anticipate, especially with this new way of working, those deficiencies are going to come to light. The spotlight's going to start shining on them because people are going to go, what's going on? Why are we running into this? Yeah. I, I just think you, while you were talking, Michael, I was like, oh, I should have had a pen and paper so I could write down all these thoughts. Well, because you sparked all these ideas and let me try to bucket them. One, you mentioned the what we're talking about, this is going to change work. Yes, there's the employee impact of people wanting remote work, but then you mentioned just cubicle space. When the finance department, and they've already looked at it, realizes, oh, we don't need half the people here. You know how much money we can save? I mean, they're already probably looking at those numbers, right? And so you're going to see this real estate issue of, oh, I don't need half this space if everyone's going to work from home. So this is good too. Employees seem happy, but also we're saving a ton of money. So you have the the money aspect of it. And what you said about just the fundamental shift, and it does impact everyone and it impacts people differently. And we're, we're talking with a client on new skills for the future. And, and we're looking at the World Economic Forum talking about the 2020 skills. And the top three, if I remember correctly, were um, critical problem or critical, critical thinking, problem solving, creativity. So again, no technical. It's all about how I'm going to solve problems and how then emotional intelligence as well. And so what COVID-19 is, did is it just leveled the playing field, uh, meaning on all managers there's no technology that's going to help you right now, right? Make these decisions. There's no, like you said, algorithm. There's no PDF. There's, you can't look back a hundred years and go, okay, here's the playbook. Like you really have to be creative. You have to be problem solving and you have to care about people and you have to be flexible. And that's really, and, and it's interesting because one of the skills that popped on the 2020 list versus the 2015 was cognitive flexibility. And COVID-19, I feel like it's kind of telling people, listen, if you don't figure out how to be flexible and how to um, be caring, it's not going to work well for you. <laughs> like that's what all these companies have to do. If you're in the office, you have to be flexible. If you're working at the target, you have to be flexible. How are you going to care for people? This is really hard stuff. And it will expose these leaders, like you were mentioning, who weren't very good to begin with. You're really going to be exposed now. And if you're an employee who's really not doing your work, you will also be exposed because people will notice that you're not doing anything at home. They can figure that out. And the employers are really, like I said, going to have to figure out how to meet the employees kind of where they're at and figure out it's not nine to five anymore. And you know what? If your schoolwork has to be done from 12 to two, maybe we extend our day um, till six or seven, or we just worry about getting the work done. And there's been companies that have been results oriented, um, results only like Best Buy a long time ago, right? They were just results only, just doesn't matter when you come in, just get hit the results. And so there have been companies kind of playing with this, but I think now it's, nope, you got to do it. And if you don't do it, you will fail and you will hurt your brand. And there's just so many tentacles that goes out that you'll hurt your brand. People won't want to work with you. Um, employees will leave you. And so it's going to be really hard for managers. But like you said, that key too is that vulnerability. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to show you care. And that's been fundamental for managers for a long time. Just show you care. Um, it's really hard for people because I'm the manager, right? I'm the all-knowing. Um, I'll tell you what to do. And you can't quite tell people what to do right now and, and just know with certainty of the manager. You got to be vulnerable. And it's such a great... 
um, character trait and you know the the personality traits and the Myers Briggs test and all that stuff that we've yeah. all seen and all of that. The, the it kind of goes out the window in a bit right now yeah. because everything is all right. We need to take guidance from governments that say, okay, how can we work mm-hmm. at all? If mm-hmm. we can't, then we wait. If we can, what what mechanisms do we need to have in place? And the switch, like you mentioned, Best Buy, you know, the switch from, okay, you do this, do this, do this, do this, you know, the old assembly line um, way of mm-hmm. doing things. Uh, it doesn't have to be then that way anymore. And we've seen organizations time and time again be able to shift. And Best Buy is a great example. You know, they... You know, from a retail standpoint, you know, for the longest time, you know, their nickname was Amazon Showroom because people would go into Best Buy, play with the stuff, and order it on Amazon. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, uh, I will confess, I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they switched their model on how they ran their stores, and they focused on customer experience. And there's lessons to be learned on how organizations treat their customers yes, and does that mimic how they treat their employees? Mm-hmm. Because if, if an organization treats their customers really well, hopefully that is a end result of the organization treating their employees really well first. Again, set your employees up for success. Mm-hmm. Figure out what works for them. If that means from 12 to 2, they're doing schoolwork and they add an hour here, add an hour there. Or, you know, I've seen this too, where people go, you know what? If you're salaried, mm-hmm. and I, I organizations still do this, yes, you're salaried, but we expect you to work this many hours this time to this time. Like, mm-hmm. then make me hourly. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then it'll flush out. Oh, wow, we, you worked 56 hours last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pay, you know, pay up, buddy, and that's mm-hmm. an organization. So we can't do that. And like, so it's my hope with all of this is it it harmonizes a little bit of the power mm-hmm. of you know the employee and the employer should be a partnership and not a dictatorship. And in many organizations, unfortunately, it's it's treated as such. And it's yeah. I, I I hope that with all of this we'll start seeing a shift in how organizations are ran and we start seeing more of a harmonious type of working environment where even, you know, I had an interview earlier today, we talked about the gig economy and we, we talked about how there's going to be organizations that may look to that a little bit more than they have in the past. And people are thinking, you know what, I'd much rather have the flexibility instead of doing this nine to five job, where I like doing two or three things of it, but I hate doing five or six of the other things. Find a job that is, you know, a few hours that does the two or three things they like, and then find two or three more of those jobs like that to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly working in the space that I love and enjoy doing, and I'm helping out three organizations or two or three instead of one. And mm-hmm. again, it's it's going to be a mind shift for a lot of people, nice. but. Our our Earth kind of got you know tilted on its head a bit, and mm-hmm. I, I I look at this as an opportunity. I yes. mean, yes, I know for people there's a lot of things going on 
losses, yeah. uh, job loss, financial concern, and we, you know, the loss of life. We, you know, we know all about that, and you know, there's a lot going on. But in anything, there's opportunity to look and go. All right, what can we do that mm-hmm. when this all comes out, we'll be at least moving in the direction of being a little bit better than we were before this started. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a big opportunity for organizations and individuals alike to take advantage of. Yeah. And I think, I think too, it's interesting. It's, it's how you look at it. And I'm not trying to dismiss how devastating. I mean, I've had loss in my life. I've had things and it's sad. And then I look at, okay, what can I learn and how can I move forward? Um, that's probably a good defense mechanism for me as well. Um, but I want to I wanna learn and I want to grow from it. And I think to, to also believe that this is kind of a unique experience, COVID-19, and then we kind of go back or even calling it the new normal, right? This is what we have to deal with as society. There will be other viruses. There will be other events that happen. There will be other things. And so how does this organization, and I love what you said, Michael, about the harmonious. If we could get better in balance, of course, I'm a Libra, so I like balance, but how can we get in better balance? Because it has been too structured, too employer driven, almost a little dictatorship, and you will do this at this time and those kinds of things. And so how can we find some more harmony and, and balance that? And and I think not only will the organization have to figure that out, but it's on the employees as well. I talk with people too that have work-life balance issues and, 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 and um, burnout and they work from home. And this is before COVID-19. And a lot of it then becomes on me, right? And and I have to figure out, okay, what are my boundaries and what do I have to do? Because I work from home and I have a child who's been in online school for three years now. So we were an old pro when this started to happen, but it is, I schedule it. I let go of things. I am nicer to myself now than I was probably when I, when I worked at a corporation. And so that's on me. And so I have to also be nicer and more harmonious to myself as an employee. And then the employer has to figure that out too. So these are significant shifts for employees and employers. And to think that there's maybe a checklist or a policy that will apply to everyone, it's not true. And that's why we need those skills that I was mentioning in the World Economic Forum, the creativity, the critical thinking skills, the problem solving, because it's really hard. And every company is going to be different on how they approach it. And then every country is going to be different because they have different restrictions now. So it is so complex and there's not a good AI option right now or data analysis, right? You can't just put it all in and go, poof, we're done. It's really hard stuff. And it starts from a caring space. And if leaders and companies don't have that, they will be kind of found out. And that will really, like you said, damage a lot and, and people will leave. So it's, it's, a, it's a seismic shift in how we're going to work in the future. And we'll see companies survive it and do really well. And companies that just like other shifts in organizations um, will not fare well because they're probably too stodgy. And, you know, everyone, I almost feel bad for Blockbuster, but it's such a good example. But everyone looks at Blockbuster of, you know, you could have gotten into streaming. And um, we were just talking about them the other day, how their biggest moneymaker was late fees. So they were really excited about that um, and didn't kind of tap into streaming because they're like, don't even worry about it. So that's what's going to happen with some other um, companies. But yes, all about caring, harmony, 
how do we have that balance between employee and, and employer and really just think creatively? And it's really hard work and everyone has to come together and think about it. It's hard work, but it's meaningful work and mm-hmm. work that we really ha- will have to do because the HR manual, mm. uh, how we do things, <laughs> will no longer be applicable. It'll be out of date and yep. significantly out of date. And it's it, 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 this is where the, the creative organizations and the ones that can be flexible and say, you know what, it's good enough launch if it, if it blows up. Well, we'll we'll fix it mm-hmm. and, and go from there because uh, it's this is going to be a time where you're going to see obviously new policies and procedures. You're going to see new laws. You're going to see new legislation. You're going to see a, a big wave of all kinds of stuff. And COVID nineteen, you know that phrase or word is going to have so many different connotations to it. Mm-hmm. One, we know what it is now because we're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. But, but two or three years from now, when we're going to say you know, COVID-19 legislation on this or mm-hmm. on this act or this way of work or commercial real estate, you know, having you know, a vast inventory because everyone mm-hmm. is virtualized. So it, it's going it, to – it's such a – for something that's gone on for, you know, quite frankly, a very short period of time yeah. in, in life, the impact that it is yeah. having is amazing. And I actually, I look forward to, you know, the, the really brilliant thought leaders on the planet to start writing about this and, and put, mm-hmm. you know, compile it all together in book. We see it now in blog posts and things like that, but I think it's still a little fresh for us. Some time in reflection, we'll look at some things and we'll say, this is when this changed. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a plethora of things that have changed. And I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that many of those things are going to be for the better of everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Yes, catastrophic cost, but it, it it's it's again the things that we're seeing that are happening in workplaces right now were things yes. that needed to happen, yes. but no one wanted to make the move and give the okay and sign off on it. Well, they kind of got forced to now, and yeah. and here we are. And yeah. would yeah. have been easier if they would have done it the first time, but. <laughs> Well, we, um, I like to say in HR too, the, there's so much fundamental, uh, foundational stuff. And this, I joke that my book's not overly sexy sometimes because it's talking about foundation and who wants to talk about foundation. Like no one's talking about like building bridges and, and repairing the road. That's like the least sexy stuff. But when the bridge falls, all of a sudden it's, it's an emergency. And, and you're so right. COVID-19, you know, we were talking to a therapist and I said, you should do virtual. This is in January. So just what, five months ago, you should do virtual. You should do some virtual uh, sessions. Oh, uh, no, I'm not going to do virtual sessions. Well, guess what? Two months later, he's doing virtual sessions. And to your point, it's only been a couple months and the significant shifts. And when we talk about in change management, Cotter will talk about you know the burning platform. And uh, it's been a slow burn. And people have been like, eh, it's fine. I don't need to do this. I don't need... And now within a, you know, a week, all of a sudden you had to do it because the flames were so high. And so that's sometimes what happens in change management is you're trying to help people. We talked to an HR person who's been trying to do remote work for a year and her company has been dragging its heels 
And guess what? Now they're doing it. And so this change management platform of COVID-19 is one of the, the, again, such a significant seismic shift catalyst to change. It will be interesting to see like you said, all the legislation that's that comes through it. If we have different safety nets, I mean, there's so much um, that's been exposed because of it, especially in the United States around inequity and things like that. It will be really interesting to see in a couple of years how we're talking about it and how the workplace has significantly changed because of it. And like I said before, hopefully for the better. Uh, Carrie, yes. I've loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you get to do? Uh, just, you can find me on LinkedIn. I have kind of a, a, I'm not at least Jane Smith. So if you put my name in, I pop up right away. And you can also go to our website, which is at Abracci Group, A-B-B-R-A-C-C-I group.com. And it's Italian for hug and embrace, Michael. So talk about I won harmony and love and caring. And our name actually means to embrace in Italian. So that's awesome. And yeah, I know a lot of people are missing hugs too right now. Too, yes, so. they are. They are. So um, it's a, it's a good reminder for us that, yeah, we'll, we will all hug again. And yes. until then it's a uh, social distancing, virtual yeah. hugs or, yeah. or, or the emoji hug, whatever the yeah. case. May be. So, <laughs> awesome. Thank you again, Carrie, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.